Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. I never know whether the microphone is on or not, so I'm kind of trying by faith, and if I hear it back, we're good. I, when we worshiped, I just heard the word rejoice. Rejoice. I mean, 2020 is nothing compared to the power of the resurrection that lives inside of you. Just think about it today, okay? All right. I have a friend. He collects firearms, military firearms. Lots of them. Lots of them. I don't know how to emphasize it good enough. I don't know how it started, but by the time I met him, this collection actually became a private museum. So he had a special building built for that. He has units from all military conflicts that the United States of America has been in. Uh, involved in. From colonial times, he actually has like bows and arrows and stuff like that, and uh, black powder guns, rifles, and through the modern ones, it's amazing. It's crazy. It's amazing. He's a collector. He has all these licenses and whatever. I, I don't know those things. He also has a car. He has a big garage, like a big hangar, and he has this beautiful car it's, uh, he inherited it from his dad. It's an old caddy from 70s. You remember cars in 70s? They were like boats. Some people had to build an extension to their garage so that the car would fit, actually. And I saw an ancient Perktronic. It's a little string with a tennis ball to make sure you park, right? Yeah, I recently saw it in the movie. I actually haven't seen those. So he had this car, too. And it's, it's a Cadillac, like Elvis style, not pink, like beautiful colors, in immaculate, immaculate condition, perfect, clean, almost zero miles on it. And this week, as I was getting ready for this message, I, I remembered him and his collection and this caddy, and it got me thinking that those guns, that Cadillac, and majority of American Christians have something in common. That is a loss of a vital function on this earth. Those guns were built and designed with one purpose only, to shoot. And somehow they ended up in this collection and they stopped being what they were built for. I mean, they're a nice collection. Every once in a while they're taken probably for a shoot. This caddy, this guy doesn't know what to do with this. And it's a perfect condition, but he doesn't have a need for that. This car has been built to drive to transport people from point A to point B, and it's just there covered with tarp, and he doesn't know what to do with this. And that's what many of us are. And some of you start cringing, because you, you, you heard a lot of messages like that, with a lot of shaming you into action and playing a guilt card. You won't get this from me. This is not the church. If you want guilt and shame and condemnation, don't come to this church. We don't preach that stuff here. You have plenty of places around here to go that. Yeah, so, don't, but I want to address that because it's a problem, and I want to address it in a 
So Neil actually, last week Neil gave this message on biblical giving. Who were here last week? He did such a fabulous job. It was a, not a shred of condemnation, but an invitation and encouragement to step out in faith into this realm where you can experience God as your provider for your physical needs, for your finances. Was that cool? So my attempt uh, today is the same way. I want to invite you, encourage you to look at yourself honestly and say, if I'm like that gun that was built to shoot, but I don't shoot, I want to try to shoot. I want to try to drive. I want to try. I want to, Lord, I trust you. And I, I trust Dennis that, that you're inviting me to step out by faith. So that's what I want to address today. So please, there's going to be no condemnation, uh, but an in, in invitation. The loss of vital function. Many of us are like those firearms, like that car. We live day in and day out without really fulfilling our main function God has designed us to fulfill. Listen to me, in this place, in this time. I'm not talking about... I'm going to give you a big disclaimer before I even proceed with this. If you have received Jesus, you made God happy. You made God happy. So I want it to be engraved on your mind, brain, heart, spirit. That it's, it's, you cannot make God unhappy. Because Jesus made him happy. And Jesus brought you into the family. That's, he, that's what he wanted. That's his heart's desire. His, his longing. His good pleasure. God doesn't want things. He wants children. He wants family. Listen to this verse. This verse in Hebrews chapter 2. It's kind of complicated, but I will single out two phrases from there that help you to understand what is God about. He's a creator. He's a judge. He's this. He's that. But what is he really about? What is his heart about? What makes him go? What makes him tick? Is that the expression? Like, you know, what really gets him excited? Listen to that. In bringing many sons and daughters, that's Hebrews 2. Verse 10 and 11, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, from whom all and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. I know it's kind of bulky and complicated. Both one who makes people holy, that's you, and those uh, who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So there's a phrase here. It says, for whom, uh, through whom and for whom everything exists. So he got it all. He doesn't need anything. He runs the place. He created it. You take a biggest microscope and go to micro level, there are bacteria and atoms and whatever, it's all, he's running it. You come to our level, he's running it. I mean, you can't understand it sometimes. You can see he's running. You, you go to like universes and galaxies level, he is running it. But he's not excited about it. It's just a stage that he made for you to be here and for you to be brought out of the just a thing that is created to become his child. Did, did you hear what I just said? Okay, thank you. Neil did. I don't know about the rest of you. Thank you. Well, 
well, anyway, it's, it's a, here's the disclaimer. Before I address this problem of losing your intrinsic function in this place, in this time, I want to know that if you never function, God is not going to be unhappy with you. Because He doesn't want what you do. He wants what, what you are. He wants you. And He gains you. And He gains you by, by His love. That was good for Derek. Good, good for me too. <laughs> so you are the family of God. Oh, all right. So uh, and uh, when I was preparing for this message, I remember this uh, story that I heard. And I'm sorry, you have to uh, forgive me. I'm not a sports guy. I don't follow sports, so I might make the details wrong. But I heard this story. There was a famous basketball coach here in the states, and he was interviewed, and he was like big, big shot basketball coach, so everybody knows him. But he had a son. One of his sons had a Down syndrome or something like that. He was mentally challenged. So the, uh, the correspondent or this guy who was interviewing him, he, he, he briefly asked about his son. And the guy said, oh, I love my son. And, you know, it, he's, he... and the, the guy who was interviewing him, he said, well, I understand it's like a personal tragedy and you, you're holding up good. And all of a sudden, this guy, like, his eyes lit up. He said, no, you don't get it. And he started talking about his son. And it was way more passionate, way more enthusiastic about his basketball career. That was a great success. I want you to know that God feels way more than that about you. Even if you never functioned properly on this earth, he is like, he's excited about you as his child. Do you, if you get that, you're secure in this life. You have an anchor. You have a foundation. You, nobody can shake you. No, nobody can sway you and uh, manipulate you into anything. So please, I mean, if you don't hear this message often enough, come to this church on a regular basis because that's what we preach here. That's what we are about here, all right? So now I hope we got it established. So let, let me come now about this loss of function. You know, the baby is cute, but when he grows, the best way, the best case scenario, when the baby becomes like if it's a boy, he becomes a man. And he begins alongside with his dad doing something that they're both passionate about. I mean, it's kind of a uh, good picture to look at Neil and Wes doing the same thing in this church together, right? It's so, it's so cool to look at Derek and his son. You know, they go to the same church and they, they share a lot of things in common. And th that's, that's, that's the best case scenario for us. That's why I want to address it. And I, I, I'm going to jump right into that. Enough preliminary notes. <clears throat> so, I want to remind you about who you are here temporally and spatially. So, eternally, you're in God's embrace already if you receive Jesus. But you're in Springfield besides heaven. And you're in 2020. And there's a function that you can or may choose not to fulfill in this time and place. And to be able to fulfill this function, you need to understand certain things about you. So now I'm going to talk about three things about you, about your identity that doesn't really have to do with eternity, but has to do with this place and this time, okay? Springfield, Ohio, 2020, Derek Young, Dennis Kozlo, Neil Haney, whatever your name is, that's what I'm talking about right now. So the first one I want to remind you that you're not just you. You are a member of Christ. I spoke about it briefly a few weeks ago, but 
you're truly a member of Christ. You know what it means? You know, it, it means that Christ would not accomplish his work in Springfield until you're part of it. If you read the book of Acts, you would notice interesting phenomenon. When the gospel began to be preached, every time there is a heavenly intervention, like angels appear, or vision, or something, like, or Jesus himself comes to meet Paul, back then Saul, knocks him off the horse, destroys his theology that has been building for decades, makes him he realize that Paul was a very religious guy. He, he, he was confident that he knows God and he serves him. And he was actually on a mission to accomplish God's work as he thought. Jesus meets him, knocks him off the horse, destroys his theology. Paul realizes that all these years he didn't know who God is. He said, who are you, Lord? And what shall I do? And Jesus tells him this. I am Jesus whom you persecute. Think about it. He didn't say, you're persecuting my disciples. He didn't say, you're persecuting people who believe in me. He said, you're persecuting me. By, by arresting these guys, by harassing these guys, you are harassing me. So, can you imagine what kind of oneness Jesus has in his heart and mind towards you? Probably way more than you have for him. You think it, he's just a doctrine you believe, but he fully identifies himself with you. Today, here in Springfield in 2020, we need to be brought to the same page with Jesus about that. And then an interesting thing happens. Paul has these questions, and Jesus didn't give him answers. He hangs up on him. He says, it will be told to you later. Hang up. He, the guy is blind. He's blinded, by the way. I did mention that. So he can't see anything anymore. He's blind. And Jesus says, I'll call you later and tell you the, uh, the, the rest of the answers. And he does, but never does it again in a form of like appearing before him. He sends his person, his disciple, his member, Ananias. And if you study the book of Acts, that never changes. People may have crazy heavenly encounters. But at the end of the day, the gospel is preached through people that God sends to them, human beings like us, his members. Because he chooses to do that. He chooses to do that. So, and I want you to kind of get used to this thought that you're not just you. You're not just like John Doe. You are Christ member. You're the member of the body of Christ. And one of your functions, essential function, is to to be Christ to other members of Christ and to be Christ to, to, to this community, Springfield, Ohio. Important, very important note here. You are co-worker with God. You don't work for God. You co-work with Him. He does the work. You co-work with Him. You know how it's... The Spirit of God does inner work in people's hearts today in Springfield. Some of them as hard as stone, and some of them you have no clue what's going on in their heart. But as soon as I had this weird picture when I was preparing for this message. Have you ever seen dropping a, 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 a hard candy of mentos into Coke? 
Have you ever seen, you know what happens? A big reaction happens. A coke gets out of the container. So it's almost like God put a lot of containers and they're not designated. So you don't know what's inside, but he gave you mentos. And you go and you drop, nothing happens. Drop, nothing happens. Drop. You know what happened? God has been working on the person's heart. And you just barely touched it. And all of a sudden, you're like a great hero that brought somebody to the Lord. You did nothing. You dropped your mentos into something, into the heart of a life. You, you got the image, right? So God does this inner work in the city of Springfield. But it's not going to be brought to fruition until you're there. And you say a few words. And you tap the guy on the shoulder. And you pray with somebody. And then, psh, happens. So you co-work. That's very important because a lot of people get, grew up with the idea that you got to, you got to work for God. God is your boss. He gives you uh, like goals and you have to come up with plans and then pray hard for God to annoy these plans and then work hard. It's a toil and labor and it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not biblical living. Biblical living, Jesus said, go out trusting me, not really knowing exactly what you're doing, but go out and you'll meet peace, people of peace and that peace that is on you will come upon them and something begins to trans transpire. You see? So I'm reminding you guys, you are members of Christ. You are co-workers with God. He does the inner work in the heart. You, you're kind of this apprentice of a genius mechanic that just holds the keys and gives the one. And then you take the credit for the wonderful work that is done at the end of the day. That'd be me, because both of my hands are left. Uh, yeah, so you're the members of Christ. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still back doing that heavy thing again. I, I, I need to make you up. So the next one is, you are, and I love this one. Every time I speak about it, people get ministered to. You are a vessel of God's grace. If you study the scripture, one of the powerful imagery that the scripture uses about you and me, they call, the scripture calls you a vessel. I studied this word, actually, depending on the context. I did, I did know that before last week. I studied the word, and depending on the context, this word can be translated as a tool or instrument with specific function or as a container, as a vessel, as an empty pot. But you got the image. So that's who you and I, I mean, you and I are empty part of this vessel, and it's to be filled with God's grace and served to other people. I, and it says that our responsibility is to get filled on a regular basis. It's so quiet here. I don't know. Is it like convicting or I'm boring? I don't know. Good stuff. Thank you. I, I trust you. So... You are an empty container. Container, by definition, is not the main value that is served. You're just containing something. So you are created to be filled with something and to contain it and to serve it and to bring it to others. And that's a good news, people. Because it's a deliberating news. You're like, you don't have to be genius. You don't have to have like a PhD education. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew or anything. All you need to realize is you're an empty, clean container 
cleaned by the blood of Christ and the Spirit of God can fill you any minute. And the scripture says, do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Woo! <laughs> you know, the analogy there is wine. Wine. What does wine do? What does wine do? It, it makes your true self come out. It, it removes the reservations. I mean, if you're a nasty dude, everybody's going to know it. If you're super friendly, oh my goodness, oh, you're my friend. Ah, so... No reservations. You lose, you lose those shackles. You lose those restrictions. When apostles, the first time they got filled with the Spirit of God, the first accusation goes, these guys are drunk. I'm telling you, the love of Christ manifested in the gospel is intoxicating and removing all those shackles and reservations and fears. And you become as bold as a lion. You become drunk on His lo uh, love. But it's not just for you to feel goosebumps. It's for you to impact others. It's not just for you to feel great. It's great to feel great in 2020 when everybody's anxious. So when you get filled with the Spirit, you don't care that it's 2020. Seriously. You, you're fine. You're fine because God doesn't change. The coolest thing about getting filled with the Spirit, I mean, I think we're doing a pretty good job getting filled here on Sundays. I mean, Wes does a good job. I mean, Neil and I try. I mean, our preaching team tries. And, you know, every once in a while, you have an amazing experience here in this sanctuary. Wouldn't you agree? I want you to do the same thing in between. You can get filled with the Spirit. There are multiple ways to get filled in the Spirit. You can learn ways to get filled with the Spirit. Within a matter of minutes, you can feel miserable and depressed. And you can start meditating on certain things and saying certain things with your own mouth. And before you know it, in like 20 minutes, you are in heaven. And you can go and affect anybody. And anybody that goes, goes and looks at you like, that's 2020, you forgot. No, I didn't. I feel great. Because <laughs> the secret is that the, 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 the source is not outside of you. The source is inside of you. The church has suffered a lot of what I call this condition. I call covenantal confusion. They take a lot of Old Testament, hodgepodge it with the New Testament, and then they, they have a weird theology that makes people miserable. I was part of the church when feeling of the Spirit was on high level, but it was taught that it almost like comes from outside and it's not really up to you. All you can do is go pray hard enough and yell and scream and pop up hernias and maybe the Spirit of God will come. And sometimes you would have goosebumps. You would associate it with the Spirit of God coming. But let me tell you something. I would get to those emotional highs and in two hours I would feel devastated and empty and almost depressed. Because your emotions are not necessarily being filled with the Spirit. It's good. It's good when your emotions are stirred and poured out in, in prayer, but it, the truth does not depend on your emotions. But the coolest thing that I'm trying to convey to you is that Jesus said, I actually have this verse here. If my computer didn't sleep, it would fall asleep. I need a revival for my computer. It happened right here. So uh, Jesus said, out of the abundance of person's heart, his mouth speaks. So you need to be filled up. But with, with, the, with the Spirit, he said... Those who receive me, I'm paraphrasing right now, it's, it's, I think it's in the Gospel of John, 
out of their inner being, or some translations say, out of their bellies will flow the rivers of living water. So it's not outside of you. You don't pray hard to, to just make it happen for this tornado of Spirit of God to come and visit Springfield. No, it's already in you. So the, the revival doesn't happen because you don't let it out, basically. That's because you're a gun that doesn't shoot. You're a Cadillac that doesn't take people to places. We need to start learning to shoot, to drive, to be filled, to speak out, to be a little bit of drunk with the Lord. All right? I, I, I hope I'm getting things across to you guys. Okay, don't stone me. And if you stone me, use the uh, styrofoam stones, all right? So you're a member of Christ. And God uses these members because he does the inner work. But he really doesn't accomplish this work until you join in as a co-worker. You're an empty pot. So the pressure is off you. All those monkeys are off you. You can, you can live the most... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm almost saying something un, contradictory. You can live the most unchristian lifestyle for an entire week. And as soon as you touch someone whose God has been working on, the grace of God will be poured out through you into this guy. Because it's not about you, dude. It's not about you. It's what Jesus has done. He does it in spite of you. So you're in an empty pot. You're in a container. You're a vessel of God's grace. And the final one, and I love this one. Please listen to that and try to understand. I know that the problem in preaching with churches, we grew up with a mix of all kinds of religious stuff with the grace stuff mixed together. We need to do this work of separation. And the third one about you, the truth about you, you are a sent one. I'm accent, what is it? I'm trying to articulate it so that my accent doesn't get in the way. S-E-N-T, that's who you are. You would say, well, brother, I never left the state of Ohio. I don't care. You were sent from heaven to this place and this time. Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And it's not just for the apostles. That's how he works. The fact that you're here today in 2020, 2,000 years after those events that we're reading about, because somebody has been sent, somebody has been sent, somebody has been sent, somebody has been sent. As a member of Christ, as a container full of God's grace, Speaking the words of the gospel. <laughs> That's who you are. So, but we don't want to go. We don't want to be sent because you know what holds the most people, Christians, for stepping out and reaching out to others? Religion. Religion. Religion will make you busy. Religion will eat up the rest of your free time that you have from your work. Religion is ever-growing carrot that is dingled before you so that supposedly you'll get to some breakthrough with the Lord and it renders you totally dysfunctional in the world. Does make sense? You study traditions, you study Greek and Hebrew, you study this and that and you have wonderful groups and you never function as a gun. You never shoot. No condemnation. <laughs> okay, so to to, to begin to experience being sent one, you really need to get the difference between the grace and religion. And I think the beautiful, 
beautiful chapter in the New Testament that totally unfolds it is chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke. How many of you remember what's in there? Three parables of the lost sheep, of the lost coin, and of the lost son. I'm going to read only first three, but I want you to listen to what happens right before Jesus speaks these parables. Listen to what happens. That's the context that triggered that. Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. Tax collectors and sinners are deplorables of that day. They're loathed by religious people. They're the most despised kind of people by religious people. So, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and all these people are drawn to him. They want to hear him. They don't want to listen to Pharisees. They don't want to go to synagogue. They don't want to hear the, like, all these rituals. And they want to, but Jesus, that's a different story. They want to be around him. They want to listen. They, you know why? Because he is a vessel of God's grace. He is pouring out, and they're, they're drinking, and their source is being quenched, and they, their heart resonates. That's what's happening, but listen to that. That makes religious people very, very unhappy. Listen to that. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So here's how Jesus responds. So he told them this parable as a response to the situation. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance in their mind. <laughs> you know? And then he comes to another one. He says, Oh, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light up a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's, that's revival. That's revival. That's revival. That's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And religion deprives you of that because religion splits the world into clean, unclean, righteous, and righteous, right and wrong, good and bad. But the gospel speaks not of that. The gospel speaks of loss, of something very valuable. The gospel speaks of value, value. I don't care what kind of horrible person you can meet today. If he's still alive, there's some intrinsic value in this person. And the gospel helps you to see that. So the gospel and religion will never mix well. Will never. You, you, will, you will have to choose. So Neil and I, we really try to get rid of religion as much as possible. 
and to, to establish the gospel-shaped lifestyle, biblical living, being a member of Christ for real, being an empty pot that gets filled on a regular basis, knowing that the source of that infilling is inside so you don't have to look for it. You have received it. It's in you. The revival is just when, when sleepy Christians wake up, when nominal Christians become real Christians, and when anti-Christian people turn to God radically because the Spirit of God begins to operate through you, out of you, because God wants you to co-work with Him. But it happens when you see the value out there. You see value in people. And you step out in faith to reach them out. And that's basically in a very simplified version of what Christian living today. I, did I get the point across? Yeah. I hope so. I, I hope I gave you food for thought. And now we're going to transition into a time of ministry. And I want you to, if any of that resonated in you. And I, again... There are three categories of people right here. And only, only you know who, what category you belong to. One category you have never experienced that. You've never experienced being a member of Christ, being used to co-work with God. You've never experienced being filled and pour, outpouring and even drunk in the spirit, so to speak. Or you've never, been, you've, never been, you've never experienced being sent. You knew that you happened to be sent to certain people. That's one category of people. Another category is that you experience that a few times in life, but it's not your lifestyle. And that's me, by the way. I'll be honest. I'm not, a th I'm not a theory guy. I know what I'm talking about. I've been used by God many times in life, but not 365 times a year even. Those cases are far in between. I, I want to turn it more into a lifestyle. I actually know people in this congregation who kind of developed it into a lifestyle. Unfortunately, I don't see that person, particular person that I have in mind. But like this lady has stories and stories and stories and stories. By the way, we're launching something new in 2021. We're going to have a video testimonies of what God is doing in people's life, for real. And I hope I'm going to see your faces there. Because that, again... As I said in the beginning, Neil did an invitation, not an accusation, not a condemnation. I did the same thing. It's an invitation to step out by faith and to experience God using you as his member, his co-worker, his vessel, being filled and sent to other people to change their lives forever, to bring them into glory as their child. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.